When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is Speakernomics, the podcast about becoming a better speaker and building a better business. I'm your host, Tom Singer, and today we're going to step out of the regular world of professional speaking and talk about another way that many people do and can use the spoken word to make money. Today we're going to talk about the business of being a voice actor. Have you ever been walking around and somebody says, wow, you have a great voice, you should do radio or you should do commercials? Well, that's what happened to our guest today. Our guest is Joseph Jones. Hey, Joseph, welcome to the podcast. Oh, how's it going, Tom? Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. So, Joseph, what are your two tips for people who want to get into and thrive in the voiceover world? Tip number one, I would say study the business and learn uh, which aspects aspects of it you would like. And then tip number two uh, would be to take classes and get yourself a demo reel done. Awesome. Well, we'll have some fun unpacking those tips. And what's interesting about them is those are very similar tips that we would give somebody who wants to get into the world of professional speaking at corporate and association events. So there'll probably be a lot of similarities, which is why I wanted to bring you here to Speakernomics. For those of you who don't know Joseph Jones, he is a freelance voiceover artist. He does commercials and radio. He's in the current uh, process of working on a documentary. And the way he got into this business is he was working in the automotive industry as an engine inspector and people kept coming up to him going wow man you have a great voice and you know when someone says things to you enough times the smartest people take action and he made a big change and jumped into the world of of voice overing if you will and uh, i met him because he was on a panel for a group that is putting together an upcoming documentary where he is going to be the narrator. It's called Black Inventors Got Game, and it was such a great panel. We had such a good time, and afterwards, he and I were talking about the the similarities and differences between the world of professional speaking, the world of being a voiceover artist, and I said, you've got to be a guest on Speakernomics. So, so here he is today. So, Joseph, your first tip was, and like I said, this is exactly what I would tell somebody who wanted to be on stage as a speaker. Your first tip was study and and learn the aspects of the business that you want to do. So, w- first of all, why not just jump in and start doing voiceover? What do you mean study it? Well, you know, that's a great question. When I initially got into this, I did not know anything about voiceover. You know, when people would tell me all the time, you know, just random people and friends as well would say, you know, you, you've got a good voice uh, for voice. You should get into it. And so one of my friends who lives in, in San Francisco, he's been trying to get me to move out to Cali for years to, to pursue this. And 
and my initial introduction to it was I had gotten laid off from my job and I was pondering, you know, whether I'm going to make the move to Cali. And then all of a sudden this special, this 2020 special comes on and it's on voiceover artists and it had the seven top voiceover artists in the world. One was Don LaFontaine and he was talking about the business and I was like, no, this definitely isn't something you just, Hey, I want to be a voice artist. Just jump into it. You know, there's definitely training. Um, I know it looks or sounds easy to hear someone talking, you know, on a microphone, but it's really not. <laughs> Maybe it's for some people, you know, who can just, you know, walk into it and do it. I don't know very many people who, who can or who have done that, but there is definitely some training that you need to be in, uh, involved with. You don't want to sound like you're just reading a script. You want to make those words come to life. And that takes training and practice. So how did you find where to get trained? I mean, did you just go to Google or did somebody point you in the right direction? I actually started Googling like I Googled voiceover schools in the Bay Area. And the first school that I came across was it was the San Francisco Acting Academy. And there I took classes with David Rosenthal. And that was the first place that I started. And then I came across another school in Sausalito called Voice Tracks. And uh, I studied there with Samantha Parrish. She's absolutely awesome. And uh, I mean, they both were awesome and a joy uh, to work with. So that's, you know, that's where I started. And then I also, because I I like acting as well and being in front of the camera, I also took a two-year Meisner course with Melissa Thompson and uh, Jim Jarrett. Jim Jarrett was actually one of the last people to study and work under the late, great Sandy Meisner. I'm not saying you have to take acting classes to become a voiceover artist. I did it because uh, a lot of the principles and the tools that you apply from acting, you can actually apply to voiceover as well. Sure. So what are some of the things that you learned in all of these classes that you took that you can pass on to people? Because I think there's a lot of people in the professional speaker world that people say, oh, you have such a great voice. Oh, yeah. And, and they don't even know where to start or they don't know what <laughs> they don't know what they don't know. So they don't know what they need to learn. Right. So one of the things that I absolutely love about my time studying the Meisner technique was what made Sandy Meisner such a great teacher was that he didn't believe in teaching actors how to act. He believed in teaching actors how to convey real emotion under imaginary circumstances. So if you're in a you're a uh, your character calls for a heavy scene for you to cry you need to be able to convey that real emotion or whether you're angry, whether you're happy, uh, all those, those things, those emotions, you don't want to fake those emotions. You want to be in the moment and you want to bring those emotions to life. It's really the same thing with, uh, with voiceover, you know, your audience needs to know, like, let's say you're doing a, an ad for, um, cancer patients or someone who's lost a loved one to a, you know, a debilitating disease like that. You want to be able to capture that emotion that you want your audience to be able to hear that emotion. So what are the most surprising things about the business of being a voiceover artist that you learned that you, you didn't expect? Oh, wow. Well, you know, when I started Don LaFontaine, he was the guy. And unfortunately with his passing, it really changed the industry like it used to be you had to have that deep you know james Earl jones voice you really had to have that and if you could do that you could get a lot of work and being a one-trick pony in that department you, you could you know you could make a lot of money that way but now because you know ever since he passed the industry has really changed you don't have to have that deep magical mystical voice anymore now it's really the industry has become like what you and i are doing right now can you get on a microphone can you sound like you're having a 
a conversation. Can you just sound like a regular guy, like the neighbor next door, your best friend or family member? That's really what it's become. And what's funny about that is I have an agent in L.A. and he has a, a, one of he was telling me about one of his talents that he represents. It's an older guy who. He's he really wants the industry to go back to the whole, you know, the Don LaFontaine day, because that's what he specializes in. And he, and he says, like, I have to tell this guy all the time. It's not going back. You have to change with the times. You're going to have to start. You get with 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 the with the way things are today. So I just it's really funny. I never expected that. So that's that's a real big similarity to the world of professional speaking in the fact that things are changing yeah. and you can't just hide in the past. You know, yeah. the, the, the past is not I heard someone say the past is not a place, you know, for residents. You can't live there. Yeah. You have to move forward. And, and we see the same thing yeah. in the speaker world that you have to be willing to adapt and change to what the meeting planners want and what the audiences are expecting. So you think that the, what people are expecting in, in voice when they listen to something, they now want more more diversity. What are they looking for? Well, I'm hoping that they, they're looking for more diversity. <laughs> One of the things that, that my agent shared with me, too, this, and this is right when, right after the pandemic, the whole George Floyd incident, I got a phone call from him and he said, it's unfortunate what happened to George Floyd and what we're seeing, the racial atrocities that are all across this country. He said, but in a way, this is going to be a good thing f- for you, an African-American voice artist, because a lot of these opportunities that have been shut out Uh, that you guys have been shut out of, these companies are now looking to hire more African-American voiceover artists because they don't want to be, quote unquote, caught on the wrong side of history. And, you know, I was kind of torn when he said that because I'm always grateful for any opportunities, you know, that come my way. I don't want to minimize that. But at the same time, it really bothered me that it took something as horrific as what we saw with George Floyd for said companies to a acknowledge that this is a reality that's happening out here and b oh now we want to open the doors for you guys you know i just that's not the way i really envisioned myself in trying to really you know make it in this business so as you've made it in this business what are some of the types of things that you've done voiceover for i know in the introduction i mentioned that you've done you know commercials and some radio stuff but but what are some of the cool things is there anything that that you can name that we would recognize or is there any type of thing you can refer to maybe oh sure i did an ad last year for bumble that aired during the first round series um the clippers i can't remember i don't remember who they were playing but that was really cool it's really funny it's fun when people you run into they recognize you like, hey are you that bumble guy and i'm like dude you're pretty good i've never had that happen <laughs> before but that's cool stuff i've done an ad for vertex that was fun that's probably one of the most fun ads that i've done i also did one for dan and they have a new sports drink called oikos pro fuel so that was fun they had one of the actresses from um i can't remember the name of the show it's the one where they're doing all of the acrobatic and the stunts for like in the gym and all that stuff oh like like american ninja warrior yeah that's what it was that's what it was that's exactly what it was so that that was fun and you know the black inventors got game that's that's my first documentary that's the first documentary that um i've had a chance to do and that right there I can't even put into words how just blessed I feel to be able to work on a a project like that that inspires people. And, you know, meeting you, Tom, without that project, you and I probably aren't even, you know, our paths, you know, may not even cross. So I'm definitely grateful for that. 
Well, I was going to touch on it at the end, but we'll jump into it before we get to the second tip, because as I said in the introduction, we met at a conference where I was the master of ceremonies and they asked me to moderate a panel that had several toy inventors and game inventors and yourself uh, talking about this documentary that will come out at the end of this year. So how did you get involved with Black Inventors Got Game? Oh, boy, this is a funny story. <laughs> I'll try to sub it up as quickly as I can. So one of the producers who was really instrumental in bringing this whole team together, Laura Green, she didn't get to make the trip. But we were on a movie of independent film from a school that I used to, uh, an acting school I used to go to prior to my Meisner training. And the reason why we bonded was because the student who went to the school that, that I was attending he was going to be able to make the first, the school's very first, like, full-fledged action film. Well, make a long story short, that didn't get to happen because he had another guy who was a method actor, a guy who was not a member of our school. So while this director is, is giving instructions on how the day is going to go, I said, listen, man, we're going to shoot an action scene. We're going to have fake guns, you know, masks, all that kind of stuff. This guy decides he wants to add his own little script to the movie. So he puts on a mask, he takes one of the fake guns, and he starts yelling running down the hallway where we're shooting like, like a madman oh, no. banging on the doors and he actually broke in to the door of this couple they called the police within uh five to ten minutes the entire SWAT team had the entire building surrounded they had this poor little old lady face down on third oh. street where her groceries were all over the, the street and so um Luckily for me, I got there just as the situation had de-escalated. And um, I saw it, and I could hear our superintendent really just giving this guy the business. So from that, me and Laura made a bond, and she moved to New Jersey. She starts her own television production company, and through that, she comes across, uh, she makes a connection with James Howard, the producer for Black Inventors Got Game. Mr. Howard tells uh, Laura, listen, I need a voiceover artist to narrate this project. And Laura says, oh, let me contact my friend Joseph Jones. And that's how I became a part of this project. <laughs> wow. So it was uh, it was a, an unfortunate incident that led to a good connection that led to this opportunity, yes. which I always say all opportunities in life come from people. So it's when you get that opportunity to be around the people, you never know who you're going to meet, who's going to open up a new door for you. Yes, 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 exactly. So can you give just the audience, since we talked about it, give just a little snippet about what the documentary is about. This documentary is about six African-American, it's basically about African-American inventors uh, and their contributions to the toy and game industry. A lot of people do not know the names or or. The inventors of, say, like the Super Circle water gun. I myself didn't know that Lonnie Johnson, an African-American, was the inventor of the Super Circle water gun. And it's a shame that, you know, our community is not, for the most part, being recognized for their accomplishments and contributions. And, and particularly for the subject we're talking about for the toy and game industry. The documentary, you know, basically is about these men and their contributions I think it's a very warm story, and uh, yeah, it's it's going to be great for people to uh, to enjoy. It was it was a great story getting to hear some of it. And one of the other uh, inventions was the Viewmaster, which was when I was three years old. The Viewmaster was my absolute favorite yes. toy. You put those little discs in, and you get to travel the whole uh. world by just click, <laughs> clicking a thing. So, Joseph, I want to get back to our tips about getting really active in the voiceover industry. Your next tip was. 
you got to have a demo reel. This is true for the speaking industry. Yes. So what is the demo reel like and, and what do you do with it? What is going on, everybody? This is Taylor with Speaker Flow. Influence 2022 is right around the corner, and as usual, we have an incredible offer in store that you'll only be able to take advantage of while at the show. Starting July 1st, our prices are going up, and not insignificantly. We're delivering more value than ever, and with that comes a cost. But during Influence Only, you'll be able to get all Speaker Flow offerings at legacy price. That's up to 50% off. So if you've got systems on your mind, this is your last chance to lock in this deal. So don't sleep on this, stop by the booth, and let's build the systems of your dreams. So what is the demo reel like, and, and what do you do with it? So basically, once you've had the training, and through yourself and your teachers, they've identified you know what you're good at, where you're gifted, where your niche is. You basically want to make a reel that highlights that niche. It's radio and that's the thing. When you make a demo reel, it's not a one size fits all thing. So if you want to do radio, you want to have a demo reel that has clips of you, samples of you basically doing radio. Same for commercial, same for animation. If you can do more than one, you know, if you can do animation and you can do radio ads or, or television ads, do two. The more versatile you are, obviously, that's going to open you up to more um, opportunities. That being said, you can still make a lot of money being a one-trick pony. We just got through talking about Don LaFontaine. And I, honestly, I don't want to call him a one-trick pony because he, even though he's known for that iconic deep voice, uh, he's done stuff, you know, like cartoon characters and things like that. But there are some out there that, you know, have, have done it just being a one-trick. So cartoon characters sounds like it would be a lot of fun. Have you, have you done any of that yet? I have not. That's something I would love to do. Hello, Pixar. Yeah, <laughs> I, that's something that would be a lot of fun to do. You know, those kind of gigs are really tough to get into. It's, and with anything, you, and I'm sure you know this about any part of the entertainment business, it's really, sometimes it's really not about how talented you are. It's about who you know. I have not gotten very many auditions like that. Like, I had one where I could have been the exclusive voice for Domino's Pizza. If I would have landed that gig, I came very close. If I had landed that gig, I could have quit my job. <laughs> I would imagine landing a gig like that could be uh, could could be very lucrative. I'll tell you another funny story. My um, agent had a, a guy who had the chance to be the voice for Siri. And he was explaining to me, he's like, listen, you're going to have to quit your job. You're going to have to go to L.A. You're going to be recording for about four months. So the guy stopped him and said, he's like, I can't quit my job. He's like, what do you mean you can't quit your job? He's like, dude, is your job going to give you $250,000 up front to record for four months worth of work in L.A.? He's like, no. He said, okay, is your job going to give you an additional one hundred grand per year as long as they keep using your voice for Siri? He's like, no. He said, you quit your job. <laughs> but I think, I think, you know, the thing is when you've never had an opportunity to make that kind of money, you've never had an opportunity like that in front of you. Sometimes I can, I get it. it. It doesn't seem real to some people. And I'm just saying when you're an artist, yes, this is your dream. This is what you're pushing for. And when those opportunities come, you know, t grab it by the horns and run with it. So as you look forward to, you know, the future of voiceover, what advice do you have then for people who, besides what we've talked about, for people who want to get into the business? What, what are some of the, the, the roadblocks, the surprises, et cetera, that you think you wish you knew besides just taking classes and getting that real? Uh, there's a lot of competition. So you have to be able to, to, to deal with that. And it's not enough to just take classes and then get the training and then get your demo done and then start going on auditions. You really need to brush up and continue with the classes because you want to keep putting tools in the shed. You know, it makes you more marketable. 
it keeps you sharp and that gives you an edge over your competition. So I wish I had known that in the beginning, <laughs> but you know, everyone's, everyone's journey is different. My pitfalls, you know, that I face, that doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, the next person will face them. So it's networking too. There's a lot of networking. So that's probably the biggest thing. So it's really interesting because while we were talking, I took down a, a bunch of notes and there's so many similarities to people who want to, you know, get into and grow within the business of professional speaking. So I just want to recap a couple of them. number one. You've really got to study the business. I mean, it's it's a unique business voiceover, as is the speaking business. You need to have good quality demo reels so that people can hear hear your voice and what you do. Same thing is true for a speaker. We have to have great video so that people can see it. There's lots of competition. That is very true in the world of professional speaking. There are more speakers now than I think there have been in the 15 years that I've been in the business. And it's not enough to just go out and learn and get good. You know, you've got to constantly be improving and tweaking and adding new things to your repertoire. That's that's totally true for the speaking business. And then, you know, enjoy the journey along the way. I think that's really good advice. And I would say the same thing to someone wanting to become a speaker. And then you ended with, hey, it's networking, right? People are going to open the doors for you to get these opportunities. Same thing is true for people who want to speak on stage. I say it all the time that the secret sauce to having a successful business as a professional speaker is having a lot of friends who are professional speakers because success leaves clues and we always refer business to people that we know that we like and that we trust. And so I see a whole bunch of similarities between our two industries. And I really appreciate you coming here and sharing with the audience at Speakernomics about your industry so that we could see the parallels. And I'm certain that there's some people who are listening who always are being stopped on the street. People are like, oh, you have a great voice. You should do voiceover. And so I'm sure there's some people who needed to hear this message today. So Joseph Jones, thanks for joining us. Oh, thank you, uh, Tom. And and it's, it's been a pleasure. And thank you for having me. And, you know, for you to be doing this for 15 years, that's uh, that just shows, you know, how, how awesome that you are and good that you are at your job. So, yeah, it, it, it has been a fun journey and, and it still continues, although it takes different directions all the time. Yeah. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening. I want you to join us here at Speakernomics every single week because we're going to have more ideas, thoughts and actionable information on how you can make more money and grow a better business using the spoken word. Always remember the motto of this podcast, speak, get paid, repeat. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.